Have you ever had beliefs that you just heard and they didn't land? This is what I love about when you start learning and understanding what is your plagiarized programming that you've adopted and accepted. There is an actual embodiment in and of an experience. It's it's like that uh, kid's phrase, I am rubber and you are glue. Everything you say bounces off of me and sticks to you. That phrase is basically what this episode is about. It's about beliefs that I never have either fully bought into or like maybe I bought into for a time and then I was like, that that's just bullshit. And we're going to dive into some of those that I've just never fully bought into, whether it's societal paradigms or different belief systems that were different from my family or whatnot. And I'm really excited to share some of these with you because maybe you've had these beliefs or maybe these beliefs like you're like, oh, yeah, hell yes, queen. Like, I've never even bought into that. That's that's such bullshit. So I'm excited to, to just champion you with your ability that you can choose whatever belief that you want to believe and operate your life accordingly. And I hope this episode inspires you to question those beliefs that aren't working for you because those beliefs, they're not you, they're your strategy. And I hope this episode gives you a deeper insight into new strategies, new mindsets, new ways of thinking about whether it's society, programming, what you've accepted so thus far, what's been working, what's not been working. And basically how we determine is what's been working is, do you have the results that you want? And if you don't have the results that you want, I'm going to share with you in this episode how to pivot that, how to look and model success and excellence. And I don't mean by like modeling me necessarily. I mean, like go out there and find those models of not not necessarily supermodels. They could be supermodels, but who have a life that you want to model who have the results maybe it's the family the the career the business the job the whatever it is that it is that you want to create get your evidence get your proof and this is what that podcast is about i am so excited to dive in let's dive into beliefs i have never chosen to ascribe to or just chose to ascribe to for like a short period of time and then was like cancel clear nope done diving in in three two one And yes, I will let you know, this podcast is a little spicy. So prepare yourself. Strap in for full Enneagram 8 mode. Welcome to the Crown Yourself podcast, where together we build your empire and transform your subconscious stories about what's possible for your business, body, and life. I'm your host, Kimberly Spencer, founder of crownyourself.com, and I'm a master mindset coach, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, known to my clients as a game changer. Each week, you get the conscious leadership strategies you need to help you reign with courage, clarity, and confidence so that you too can make the income and impact you deserve. Imagine this podcast as your royal invitation to step into your full potential and reign in your divine purpose. Your sovereignty starts here and your reign is now. Hello, hello, my fellow sovereigns, and welcome back to another episode of the Crown Yourself podcast. I am so honored and excited to be here with you on a Monday, like at least it's Monday for me here recording this. Um, And I know we typically drop these podcast episodes on Monday. So maybe you're listening to this on a Monday, but maybe it's a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday for you. And all are perfect and wonderful. And I am so grateful to be here with you because this podcast really spurred from an Instagram story that I was sharing 
that I was just just going on a rant and I was like, you know what? A rant a proper, appropriately placed should be in a, a podcast to a degree because I was ranting, but I was also sharing stories. And I was like, I would really share this in a podcast. And it's just of the beliefs I never really ascribed to that on a subconscious level have never made sense to me whatsoever. And when you think about plagiarized programming, right? Plagiarized programming, it's a phrase I coined long ago that is the adoption of beliefs or experiences or perceptions of reality that are not yours, that you're adopting as your own. Now, these plagiarized programming beliefs can come from society. They can come from your parents. They can come from your friends. They can come from mentors that you have followed. I have chosen to not ascribe to several beliefs from my mentors, regardless of how successful they are, because some I'm just like, that just doesn't align with my soul. Like I will experiment, I will try it out, but not always does it align. And so for me, the big piece was looking at beliefs that I'm just like, I have never chosen to buy into, like on a subconscious level at my, even at my worst, even at my absolute worst, where I felt most disconnected from so many things from life, body, etc. I still had this belief where it just didn't resonate with my soul. And so it was in that space that I said, okay, all right, I am choosing to go against the grain. I'm choosing to create my own mold. I think it's ridiculous that people have this belief or that society has this belief and it doesn't make sense to me and I don't want to buy into it. <laughs> just, I don't want it. Um, and that's, that's really when it comes down to beliefs and decisions. That's as simple as it is. It's a choice. And I was having a conversation with one of my corporate clients on Saturday. And he was like, sharing with me about age and beliefs around age and how old you are and whatnot. And I was so proud of him because he was like, I don't have those beliefs. Like, I don't think that when you're 50, it's like you're over the hill or like you're just like, oh, your life's behind you. And it's now all downhill from there. I'm like, the hill keeps going. Like, go to your next Everest just because you're in a valley right now. doesn't mean that there's one hill that you're going to climb for the rest of your life. And so we really got looking at like, what are these beliefs that society has that we can ascribe to, choose to buy into, but really on a soul level, we know they're not true. Like we know that's just some made up bullshit that we're choosing not to buy into. And so first of all, first and foremost, the number one that I'm going to start with is that Mondays suck. Like the whole TGIF, thank God it's Friday. So I can just blast myself and like, be unconscious and do a whole bunch of things that I really want to do because Mondays suck. I'm like, what the heck? So I have gone out of my way to intentionally create Mondays that I absolutely love, that are creative, that are fun, that start the week off in a way that I feel so aligned, so supported, so happy and so creative. And I mean, for me today, my Monday, it started off with 
just a really lovely shower, like a nice long shower. And then I went into like really getting myself dressed up and I put on my makeup and I was like, I feel really, I feel ready for the day. And it's probably because I had the absolute opposite yesterday. I just enjoyed being in pajamas all day on Sunday. And I really am making a, a conscious effort. Like I, I shifted it up for Mondays. And I've also really made a conscious effort on Sundays to just unplug completely because I was experiencing burnout. And I was like, no, Sunday, Sundays are for me. And I am being absolutely so ridiculously protective of my boundaries and my time so that I can be of the most best effort, <laughs> that I can be the most best, you know, be best future self, best self for my kids, for myself, for my husband, for my team, for my clients, like your energy is fucking sacred. And so I set Mondays up a long time ago to be really intentional, creative, fun. I don't blast into the week. I'm not like rolling in all exhausted and like hit it hard on Mondays. Tuesdays are actually a much more action oriented day. Mondays are from a place of alignment and just slow and flow and being in that space. And it's partly because I've started aligning. I started about two years ago, I started aligning my days of how I structure my days to the astrological name of the day. And that's really helped be in alignment with the relationships because we have relationships with everything, including the planets. Um, Monday stands for the moon and moon is a lot more flow. It's the unconscious energy. And so allowing my unconsciousness to kind of guide and feel that in the boundaries of the flow and feel safe to flow is, has been phenomenal. And M Tuesdays are very action oriented. It's Mars day. If you speak French or Spanish, it's uh, Mardi. I, and I totally butchered my French. So don't like completely judge me for my pronunciation. It's been a hot minute since I've spoken French, but Mardi, Mardi, <laughs> Mardi. Um, yes, like, please, if you speak French, like, tutor me because <laughs> I'm working on it. Um, the And I'm fully willing to accept where I am not perfect and have room to grow. And in my language, that is one. Um, but it stands for Mars, Mars Day. And Mars is a planet of action. Mars is a planet of get, get shit done. And so since I have dedicated Tuesdays to being in that action orientation, that is the day that I am, I am contacting people. I am reaching out. I am connecting on a whole new level. I'm producing content. We are, it, it is, it is very different energy than Monday, but why out of the seven precious days of this week, one of the days, do you choose to be miserable? Cause ultimately it's a choice. It, consciously or unconsciously, it is a choice. And so if you're rolling in with an attitude of like, oh, it's Monday, you are choosing and setting the intention for Monday to suck. And I just disagree with that. I just, I am like, is that effective? Is that working? Because for me, I just choose not to live miserably. And if something is making me miserable, I know that it is within my power of sovereignty to be able to shift that and change that because that's a belief. It ultimately comes down to a belief. So I have never bought into that belief that Monday should suck. I've actually always loved Mondays and I've worked since I was 19 years old. Um, 
and I've had business since since I was 19 years old. And the only time I actually really didn't like Mondays was when I was in my e-commerce business. And that was toward the end when things were getting a little spicy between me and my business partner because um, Mondays were challenging. I had to set some pretty strong time boundaries around my Sundays and Mondays would be like a deluge. And that that experience allowed me to... <laughs> Fortunately, like a few months later, I was in negotiations for a buyout, but that that experience really allowed me to recognize where my boundaries were being crossed and where I wasn't holding my boundaries and where Mondays I was choosing to buy into a belief that I didn't really believe. And so having tested and experimented with that belief for a hot minute, like as in like the span of a couple months, about a decade ago, recognized not for me choosing not to have it. And now I make Mondays magnificent. Like, oh my gosh, our team meeting is for us, for me, because my team is international. My team meeting at eight o'clock on Monday mornings just lights me up. I love seeing their faces. It was so beautiful today. We just had like a moment, all of us, like we cried together and we felt each other's presence and just the love and support. And it was, it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. And that is something that it's, it's where you got to realize, like, I set that up intentionally. I love it. I love being in a leadership position at eight o'clock on Monday morning. So that's one belief. Another belief is around jadedness that it's like, as you grow, as you get older, or as you age, suddenly there's like a depreciation of enthusiasm for your life and for your career. And I know some generations, I'm talking to you Gen Xers more than others, tend to have a little bit more jadedness. It's kind of built into how they were wired as a generation. Um, I am married to a Gen Xer, so I can freely say that. <laughs> and my Gen Xer husband has worked so hard on rewiring the jadedness that kind of was a part of his generation that he grew up with. And... So the jadedness, I really recognize this when I was about 16 years old, I won a screenwriting competition where I got to be mentored by professional screenwriters because back then I was wanting to go into working in Hollywood and I was so excited. I was going into our first meeting and I was going to be matched with my mentor and I wore my little like Diane von Furstenberg dress, like wrap dress because I, when I was 16, I dressed like I was 30 and I was already like very fashionable. <laughs> It's just a little ridiculous, but that's why everyone thought I was older than I was. And finally, when I was 32, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm actually my age. But I walked into this meeting and there was a table full of donuts on the side. And back at least 20 years ago when I was starting out in screenwriting, like donuts were a thing in the writer's room. So there was a gentleman who was standing next to the donut table and he was a larger gentleman. And... I walked up to him and just picture Elle Woods walking into Harvard. Like I was so excited, the smile on my face. I was like, felt like I was aligned. I was on purpose. I was like, I am in my place. I am actually being receiving recognition for my talent as a writer. Like, oh my gosh, I felt so on point. I was like, yes, this is, this is alignment. I'm 16 and I've made it. And it was, <laughs> it made it to a degree of like made it to the first few steps. And I felt so powerful and so empowered. And I walk up, I was like, hi, I'm Kim. And he was like, hi. And I said, I'm just so excited to be here. Like we're making movies. We are going to be creating some beautiful things. Like I am literally as enthusiastic then as I am naturally like now. And it, that's just what happens when you're living on purpose. And he looked at me 
And he goes, yeah, that'll wear off. And I was like, I was shocked. I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, get a few rejection letters or 30 and, and that'll wear off. And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, it just did not compute. And he said, yeah, he goes, I, you know, your enthusiasm is cute. Definitely shows your green because this industry is, is brutal. And I was like, okay. And now I work now with a lot of clients in entertainment and a lot of them actually have adopted that perception that it's just brutal. And I'm like, I have never abided by nor thought that my career where you will spend 60 to 70% of your life needs to be full of suffering. I have never thought that ever, ever. And so I thought, and I said, well, I said, excuse me, but I feel like if I ever felt that way that I would change careers or I would change what I was doing or I would change how I'm doing what I'm doing because I personally am very excited to create stories and to tell stories that actually create change. And this is like 16-year-old me challenging like a 40, 50-year-old man already. That Enneagram 8 was like etched in my bones. And he looked at me and he was he just kind of like, mm, okay. And I, it, it honestly, here's the thing about how you know when a belief actually affects you. It's kind of like that statement when you're a kid, I am rubber, you are glue, everything bounces off of me and sticks to you. And for certain things, like back then around my body, I certainly, like I would have, those beliefs would have stuck. Like if he had said anything insulting about my body or anything like that, that would have stuck, that would have hit, that would have landed. But beliefs that just around career at that time, they didn't land. They just don't like they bounce off and you're like, it's like, it's like you have an armor of belief of certain beliefs that you have cultivated that are preventing anything from penetrating it. Anything that is like an insidious belief that does not serve you, especially if it's one that you're like, that does not align. And that's why understanding, knowing, questioning what your beliefs are and doing this deep inner work that you're doing week after week. I honor it because what you're doing is you're strengthening your armor as a warrior for possibility. Because if you have cultivated a deep-seated belief, like I can figure anything out, and you deeply believe that. I mean, I had one client that I was coaching, very successful entrepreneur, and he was from Australia, and I tried to poke as many holes in that belief as possible. I tried to challenge it because I wanted to see if that belief was impenetrable. And I did that intentionally as his coach. And he, the more I, I tried to poke holes in it, tried, look at my language, the more resilient he became and steadfast in that belief. He was like, I honestly believe to my core that I can figure anything out with just enough time, that I can figure anything out. And I said, like, I tried. And I said, great. I said, I wanted to challenge you on that belief. I challenged him for like 10 minutes in that space just to see how unshakable and completely bulletproof that belief was for him. And he was, he thanked me later. He's like, I'm really grateful that you did that because he's like, I knew it was strong. I just didn't know. I didn't know it was that strong. And I said, great. 
and that's what happens when you have when somebody gives you a belief they're just like that's ridiculous <laughs> or it's just like it's so ridiculous it's so no longer in alignment or never was in alignment with your soul that your your armor just is like yeah that's just gonna bounce right off because that's ridiculous i remember my father he was occasionally a bit chauvinistic demeaning toward women thought that was like the way that a quote-unquote man was supposed to be even though that's not really what he believed and there are some times when you can hear somebody saying something that you're like you're just copying someone else's words like those i know you don't actually believe those and he was in a very he was in he was in a place one night that he was probably drunk and i was sitting at the table with him and my mom and he started to say some bullshit about like women and my mom and like in the past when i was younger that used to hit me and i used to i used to feel put down and i used to feel like less than and my mom and i just ended up looking at each other like that's the fucking stupidest thing i've ever heard and it was for me that moment was a moment of such progress because i was like oh my armor's been built like i know my worth and my value as a woman and it has like what you're spouting is just bouncing off of me and it's just a reflection of of what you've been taught and programmed to believe that even you don't really fully believe and we questioned him on it and he was like wow i'm sorry that was like real that he actually had like a quite sobering moment where he was like oh i'm he's like you're right i i don't know why i'm saying that and i said yeah and he actually took that moment to heart because my mom and i just looked at each other like that's ridiculous so you'll know when beliefs don't actually stick and the belief of that like jadedness comes with your career as you just m move over time. I'm like, I have never ascribed to that. It's probably why I've switched careers many times because I'm just like, I choose to not, I choose to always be in a place of curiosity, exploration, enthusiasm, challenging myself. And if a belief like, like I just choose not to be miserable. So jadedness is real. like I say in my book, like when, around sarcasm and jadedness sarcasm actually comes i think it's from greek um i have to go back and read my book to make sure um it actually comes from the greek word that means like to cut the flesh so sarcasm jadedness when you're giving self-depreciation self-deprecating comments you are actually cutting yourself unconsciously you're cutting the fabric of your own confidence and i have just never believed in that type of self-mutilation period like no thank you so i believe that you can choose to find a new way to get curious if it's not changing what you do it can be changing how you do it maybe it just means you need to disrupt the industry and do something radically different and that's that the third belief that i stopped describing to or really never ever did ascribe to ever <laughs> was that children are this burden. Now, let me preframe this in saying that I don't believe that parents intentionally think that their kids are a burden. I think most parents go into having children with open, loving hearts, with the desire to be the best. And this is absolutely no judgment. We are all moving into parenting, building businesses, building lives with the resources that we have, and we are all doing our best 
with the resources that we have. That being said, there is a societal belief that I have seen come up from time to time. And it's it's very insidious because it doesn't come up as looking like children are a burden, but it comes up and it manifests in many ways where it looks like, oh, children are an inconvenience. Like you'll see it on a plane when a kid is screaming. And yes, nobody, nobody really thoroughly enjoys that, but especially not the parents. And sometimes the parents can feel embarrassed. And I've heard of parents just receiving the nastiest comments and things from other people on the plane, like, why don't you, you know, just discipline your child or just, you know, and I'm like, that parent, I guarantee you is doing the best that they can. And having been on a plane with a screaming child, like that, that was mine and doing the best I could to ensure that, you know, for the convenience of everybody else, that my child was calm, like you're, you're, the parent is doing the best that they can, but societally and then reflected back, it can be perceived that that's just inconvenient. And so I think whether you have kids or not, recognizing that this, children are our future. They are literally the next generation. They are gonna be inheriting what we build as a society together. So if you are projecting onto children, whether they are yours or someone else's, that they are an inconvenience, that they're inconveniencing your time, what is that saying to their unconscious minds, their precious, malleable, unconscious minds? So there can be the perception also with parents of that inconvenience factor. And yes, this is one that I, from time to time, have had to look at where I'm like, oh my gosh, my armor was not, not yet strong enough. I did perceive him in that way because he interrupted me or they did something where it got me distracted and then I got off track and whatnot. But that is where we get the work in to strengthen our armor around the beliefs that we want to show and demonstrate for our kids. If we want to show the next generation that they are precious, that they are loved, that their voice is valuable, that their needs are as, as necessary of being met as your own, then they cannot feel like that they're just this inconvenience that's there for when you want them and they work around your schedule. This is where radical ownership comes into place, where we look at children, whether you have them or not. If you are on a plane for some reason, like let's go like full on spiritual here for a hot second. You are put on a plane with somebody else's child who is a screaming hot mess. If everything happens for you, then that is a moment where you get to work and do the deep inner work on yourself. And yes, sometimes the work shows up and it's inconvenient at times that we thought we had expectations of doing something else. I remember when I, I was first married to Spike and like our few years without children, like going on a plane was like, that was work time. That was, I got to be strapped in for three to five hours or 16 hours if you're flying to Australia. I got to, I got to get some shit done. I was excited. 
But then that first flight to Australia with Declan when he was one years old, oh my God, that kid nursed for 16 hours. He was sitting on my lap and I was squunched, squunched in between my husband and a very, very large, lovely, kind Samoan man, but he was quite large. Um, and so I was in this tiny space with a baby on my boob, flying coach, and the baby did not did not let up like he nursed for 16 hours straight just sucking like wouldn't take a pacifier wouldn't take anything else like the only thing that would keep him calm and not screaming was my boobies that was a lot that was inconvenience and that was also a great lesson for me in surrender and surrendering my expectations that was the spiritual work I had to do in that moment because my we experience the perception of inconveniences when something goes against what our expectations are of that moment. Taking a break from your business to go do something that makes you that brings you joy is inconvenient and yet it can bring you so much joy. It can be inconvenient to your productivity but it can bring you so much more joy in the long run. So the momentary egoic inconveniences is where we actually get the real work because in an inconvenience or in a perception that something else is a burden, that means that there is an expectation that is unmet or an expectation that we thought we had to fulfill where the life, universe, God, source, the divine is saying, nope, in this moment, this is what you're gonna be focusing on. This is your mountain to climb, not what you thought it was going to be, not what you expected it to be. This is your moment. This is your mountain that you're going to climb at this moment. And that is where the great work gets to happen. So I challenge you to look at any sort of plagiarized programming, any belief that you see societally accepted or that you maybe have had that you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize I had that until this moment. Look at it, challenge it, and surrender. And that is how you can start strengthening your armor, your own belief armor for the beliefs that you do want to cherish. Because when you look at something like the third one belief that I just stopped describing to, which was that children are a burden. Like that one takes as a parent, like I had to take such epic personal responsibility. That one takes such epic personal responsibility because for example, using that plane flight as an example, I had to first take responsibility. Like I am the one who chose to take my child, my one-year-old to Australia. I made that choice. That was part of Spike and my vision was to travel the world with our, with our family. And we were, that was our first time in 2018 that we were doing it. I was so excited. And that challenge was like, oh, there will be some challenge when it comes to traveling with a one-year-old, like more than you expect. And being able to say, okay, well, then I need to surrender in this moment to being a mother. And like, I also have to acknowledge, like I chose to have my child. Like you can dial that belief back to all of the choices, all of the choices. Like I chose to take my child to Australia. I, ch I made this choice. I chose to have my child. All of these are choices. And when you look at that space of absolute pure ownership of your choices, 
that's where you get to say, okay, what is the vision that I'm now leaning into? Like, if you think that something is inconveniencing you, it's probably because it's setting you up to learn a lesson that's going to serve you in your greater vision. So for me, I had to learn that lesson of surrender and patience, surrendering my expectations of working for 16 hours on a flight. And even though I kind of knew that I wasn't going to be, I knew that I was going to work. I, I, I thought that I was going to like, oh, he'll go down for a nap and then I'll get, I'll get to whip out my laptop and get some content creation done. No, that didn't happen. So I had to surrender. I was like, I guess I just need to relax and watch a few movies. And that's what I did. And being able to surrender in that moment of like, okay, that was a lesson for me of feeling into the flow of the present moment. That was a lesson for me in overworking, in working so much. That was a lesson to me, all lessons that I needed to take with me as I grew my business, as I raised my children growing my business, and as we did it while traveling the world. So allow yourself to question and also honor when you have those beliefs, like my client had, where he was just like, I don't ascribe to like your 51, 52, 53, 54, like middle, quote unquote middle age. And that is what, oh, suddenly like all my dreams are done. No, no. He's like, I'm just getting started. I said, great. So there are beliefs around age. There are beliefs around your week. There's beliefs around your career. There's beliefs around what society expects of you. Like I was telling my, um, my nephew, I said, like, you can go to college. Like I said, it's not necessarily a pre prerequisite to success. It's not. And I am living proof. And I am of the belief of when I see somebody embodying a belief that I like, a belief that could serve me, I think if they can, I can too. And so how do we know, like, what are the beliefs that, that work for us and what are the beliefs that don't? Or like, is this belief of age or jadedness or that Mondays suck? Is that something that we should actually adopt for ourselves to like fit in with society? Because not fitting in with society goes against our biological part of our brain that freaks us out because suddenly we're no longer part of this specific tribe and this flock. And now we're out in the open and risk getting killed by a saber-toothed tiger. Like that's that's where the, the mentality, when you choose to go against the grain and do something different, that's where like your biology is literally fighting that. So how do we know? Well, I always look at the people's lives that are of these belief systems. And I look at, do they have a life that I would like to model? Do they have results that I would like to have? Do they have an experience of the, from the day-to-day -to, -day to their grand experiences of life that I would like to experience as well? And I ask myself very clearly those questions. And just like that man by the donut station in the writer's room, I saw many things that I said, no, like I am more choosing to reinforce my boundaries and my beliefs that I don't believe that you need to be a jaded, sarcastic human to thrive in an industry. Like, I just don't believe that because I didn't see that exemplified. So look at who the, when you experience somebody saying something that is that you perceive could be a limiting belief but also you're like should that belief actually be mine like should i actually have that belief to fit into society look at is this a society that i actually want to fit into 
Like not everybody has the belief like what we have, the, what we're creating here in Texas, that they need to grow their own food and have a fully sustainable property. Not everybody has that belief. Some people live in big cities. I lived in a big city. I lived in many big cities. Like in the Gold Coast of Australia, we had a fabulous high-rise living apartment by the beach. Like, great. Walk downstairs, three minutes, grocery store, get anything you want. But we knew that we wanted to do life differently. We wanted to have sustainability. We wanted to know that just in case if anything happened in this world, whether it's with finances or anything, that we would know how to feed our family. You can't feed yourself with money, with cash. You don't eat cash. Money pays for things. So we knew that we wanted to have a way of feeding our family, of supporting and protecting our family with having some amenities, like a fully functioning garden and uh, being on a well and not having to use anybody else's water. Like we have our own water that we source from the earth. We knew that we wanted that lifestyle. Now, not everybody does, and that's okay. But I look at, is that person, does that person have results that I want to model? If that person has results that I want to model, I will model that. That's the basis of NLP. It's modeling excellence. If that person doesn't have the results, if that person doesn't have the joy, doesn't have the family, doesn't have the relationships, doesn't have the money, doesn't have the, the kids that you want to model, then maybe look to somebody else to model, find a different flock and train your subconscious mind that that's normal. For example, I was working with a client who really wanted a dog and she wanted a dog, but she's like, I don't know how I'm going to travel with a dog. And I said, how many people on social media are you following who travel extensively and have pets? And she was like, I don't think anyone. And I said, you're not surrounding yourself with people where that's normal. Because a lot of people, like when we moved to a 10 acre plot of land like from, from California and then previously from the Gold Coast where we had no land, most people were like, that's crazy that's bananas. It's too much. It's all the, all the beliefs. But we looked at who are the people who have sustainable regenerative farming where we could model that. You look to the people who you can model so that you can say, if she can, or if he can, I can too. Look at their results. Are those results results that you want to have? And the results are not just like financial results or business results or family results. They can be the results of just, you know, simply having joy. Like, do they have joy in their life? Do they have love, deep love, passion for what they're doing? I have coached so many people who make far more money than I have yet to this point. And yet, most people come to me to work with me as their coach for guidance to create more sparkle, joy, and fulfillment in their lives, more transformation so their business is no longer a burden, but actually setting them up for success, more transformation so they actually feel confident in getting their voice out there and getting their voice heard and remove all these bullshit blockages and limiting beliefs that you can't say what you want to say, fully be you, fully be authentic. Most people come to me for that. And that's, that's what I model. What are you modeling? in your business or in your life that is a natural attractor for the people 
who need exactly who you are to be in their life. So I hope this podcast served you. If it did, if you know somebody who's maybe struggling with a Monday suck or jadedness belief or looking at, you know, some of these other limiting beliefs that we talked about, then please share this with them. Maybe just by you stepping into a place of leadership, sharing a podcast that was of value for you, you can guide one more person to not hating Mondays and to actually bringing more joy and fulfillment into their week. I thank you in advance for sharing this with just one person. That means so much to me. As always, my fellow sovereigns, own your throne, mind your business, because your reign is now. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If what you heard resonated with you, be sure to subscribe and start creating a bigger impact now by sharing this with a friend. Just by doing that one simple act of kindness, you are creating a royal ripple to support more people in their sovereignty. And if you're not already following on social media, connect with me everywhere at crownyourself.now for more inspiration. I am so excited to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, go out there and create a body, business, and life that rules. Because today, you crown yourself.